You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. This episode, we'll be talking about Blue Cheer, Vincent Bus Eruptum. In the room, I have Rob, Yo. Ben, yep. and John. Damn. Vincent Bus Eruptum is the debut album by American rock band Blue Cheer, released on January 16, 1968, and produced by Abe Voco Kesh. The genre is heavy metal, hard rock, psychedelic rock. And from All Music Review, Mark Deming, rock and roll had grown louder and wilder by leaps and bounds during the 60s. But when Blue Cheer emerged from San Francisco onto the national rock scene in 1968 with their debut album, Vincibus Eruptum, they crossed a line which most musical fans hadn't even thought to draw yet. Vincibus Eruptum sounds monolithically loud and primal today, but it must have seemed like some sort of frontal assault upon its first release. Blue Cheer are often cited as the first genuine heavy metal band, but that in itself doesn't quite sum up the true impact of this music, which even at low volume sounds crushingly forceful. Though Blue Cheer songs were primarily rooted in blues, what set them apart from blues rock progenitors such as the Rolling Stones and the Yardbirds was the massive physical force of the musical attack. Jimi Hendrix, The Who, and the MC5 may have anticipated the sound and fury of this music, but Blue Cheer's secret was not just being louder than anyone else, but staying simple enough to give each member the space to do damage, both as individuals and as a group. From the opening rampage through Eddie Cochran's Summertime Blues, which miraculously became a hit single, to the final one-two punch of Parchment Farm and Second Time Around. Vincent Bus Eruptum is a glorious celebration of rock and roll primitism run through enough martial amps to deafen an army. Only few of Blue Cheer's peers could turn up, and they did it with just three people. All right, what do we think of Blue Cheer? This is my first time listening through this whole record. I like it. I like it. I, it's not it's not a perfect record, and I don't expect it to be. Like I can, I like what I like is the the tangent that I can that I can see, like coming from this uh, like California psychedelic scene, and just starting to take it in a different direction, and having the the perspective of looking back from 2018 to like the bands that I know list them as like influence and stuff. I say thank you, Blue Cheer. To that, yeah, yeah. Even even not tracing the tangent, just hearing their version of "Summertime Blues" as the intro song on this album, you're just like, it it shreds. I mean, it fucking it, shreds. It shreds and it's heavy. I mean, we've heard Hendrix, you know, put a little bit out, but to we be haven't cons- gotten this heavy. Yet. Nothing's been this heavy, you know, and it's 
it's good heavy. It's mm-hmm. not. I mean, it's the first time someone's experimenting with them taking it there, and they're doing it well. Not across the whole album. I'll agree with you. There's some some parts of the album uh, that are a little weak, but uh, definitely out the gate, really strong. Um, even into some of their blues stuff, I think they call themselves an ultra blues band instead of a heavy metal band, which is because heavy metal had not been coined yet. Well, even now, uh, well, the members that are still alive, I think, called themselves an ultra blues band. Which mm. I don't know what ultra blues is, but sure, if you want to call it ultra blues or heavy metal, I don't, you know, it's heavy blues. I yeah. would call it more mm-hmm. heavy blues. But uh, either way, uh, it's it's solid. There's definitely a lot. I, I'd say summertime blues, even though it says blues in the name. It sounds more heavy metal, and all the other songs that don't have blues in the name sound more like the blues. Well, the summertime blues never never claimed to be a blues song. It was about having the blues in the summer, but it was not a blues. It was never a song. blues song. Like this is a blues song about the summertime. I call it the summertime blues. Right. It's like no, I. I'm 17 and I need to work and I don't have a car and all I want to do is party and get laid, but I can't. I've got the summertime blues. Right. I mean, and it has some of the formula of a blues song, but it doesn't ever, even the, ori- I don't know who did the original version. Eddie Cochran. Eddie Cochran. Uh, it, you're right. It doesn't come off as a traditional blues song. It's not. He was a 17-year-old white kid. There you go. That's yeah. why I didn't <laughs> Maybe. There might be a reason. <laughs> I, I like a lot of, of what I heard. Um, it, it really does sound like um, a, a group of guys who got a copy of Are You Experienced? We're like, fuck, <laughs> and like, well, I'm not, I'm not good enough to actually like do all these licks. But if we fucking distort the shit out of our stuff, that that is a cool tone. Yeah. So like, you know, the fucking like the the licks are, you know, they're 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 juvenile, like as they should be. But yeah, I mean, it it, it sounds like still sounds heavy and fucking mm-hmm. um, uh, Doctor Please, like the fucking uh, the bridge. Has been stolen by at least three bands. Oh yeah, the the heart of a lot yeah, of these. Uh, Rush, Rush for one, uh, Dan for two, and I I forgot to write down the third one. But yeah, mm-hmm. like that, like there's a lot of stuff that 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 that, that is very important. Like and it uh, and shit to come. Like and it's weird. Did they record this themselves? Because there are so many times where it just like pops out the right ear, and then eventually like a drum will start coming in the left ear <laughs> and like it it, it 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 seems like a very uh like oh we're gonna do this <laughs> yeah it's that's the first thing i notice is it was pretty poorly recorded to back your theory of uh being inspired by uh hendrix i uh i read that they, they used to be they were originally a five piece and <laughs> they were a five piece and then they saw the Jimi Hendrix experience and then they streamlined the band. Cause a lot of people credit them for being the first like power trio, but they clearly were influenced by Hendrix. Yeah. People who say that blue cheer is the first power trio are just need to brush up on their history. Exactly. But and they, that's not even a, that's not an opinion thing. That's a timeline thing. Yeah. Right. But it's just, you know, I guess, Fortune goes to the victors. I don't know, but you'd think Hendrix would be enough of a victor to... I would say that Hendrix is more of a victor than Blue Cheer. Right? Yeah, nobody really says their name, but... I I see more Hendrix patches at Hot Topic than I see Blue Cheer. But if you ask who originated the Power Trio, for some reason people turn to Blue Cheer. I don't know why. But yeah, this kind of sludgy distortion stuff, like, you know, two years from now, like, Black Sabbath is gonna come out and, like, 
put their stamp on it. And, like, mm-hmm. th- this was already established, like, you know, 24 months prior to that, like, even, like, popping up on the radar. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what the record trade looked like at that point in time for, like, anyone buying anyone's record when literally you're on the right. polar opposite of both coasts. Right. But, yeah, I mean, like, it... it I, I, w- I was I was very surprised by uh, by this record. I think like, I was surprised in a different way. Oh, I think no. I was kind of dis- yeah. I think I was disappointed because uh, I had always had a fo- more fond memory of what they sound like, and when I put it on, it does have the the interesting like heaviness of it. But I just felt like it dwelled too much in the blues that sort of like bluesy meandering on some of the songs oh definitely like, it's not a perfect record by yeah, any means yeah so but i think heaviness it, alone i think the style is still relevant to me yeah. but in terms of it being like one of these essential albums i i'm not quite you know Rah rah! I'm not like cheerleading it, but just because of some of the places it goes, I just the album is not a whole. in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, would we all agree that like "Rock Me, Baby," the playing of the drums in that is is fairly shit? And then in second time around, there's another shit drum solo. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I here mean, for musicianship. Right, you're here like, for heavy. Shit. I'm here for heaviness, uh, for for historical relevance of heaviness, and I think. Based on based only on historical rele- relevance of being heavy first, I think that this album is important. It did not launch a thousand shit ships. It launched all the bands I love. Yeah, I think this is like a, this is like a blueprint, right? But so were those other bands such as the Yardbirds. And things like that, where they dwelled in that blues influence, fuzzed out sound. Granted, Blue Cheer does take it up a notch. They take it up several notches, you know, making it this really heavy sound. But it still is right there in the sort of, you know, blues kind of turnarounds. Right, right. It, like, it depends on your perspective. Like, if you look at it from, like, a, like a, like a influenced by the blues standpoint... I could see where, you know, like this and the Yardbirds, like you could really draw these draw these lines between them. I can't, I hate to just having to keep on rest on heaviness. No, sonically, the, the, this, like, is, this sonically, is way fucking this is, tougher than what the Yardbirds were, yes, were putting out. Yeah, sonically, mm-hmm. this is a mile marker. Like it, it, it harkens back to the like the Sonics a little bit with just how overdriven everything is. Mm-hmm. Um and but I mean like they're 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 slowing it down a little bit, but it yeah it just it it sounds way bigger and this seems like a group of individuals who weren't all fucking like rock and roll technicians, mm-hmm. um, like the Yardbirds were all just like Bleh! look at these skills these guys are just kind of relying more on we are pushing this as loud as we can and this is the fucking weird distortion like rock and roll we came up with the yardbirds this is my amateur opinion the yardbirds are trying to push the boundaries of the blues and blue cheer was trying to take drugs and hurt your ears <laughs> heavy heavy doctor the doctor won't you please 
make it heavy and sludgy and it's yeah. gonna be okay i get i get it and i i respect that i like that too but my counterpoint on this to play devil's advocate would mm-hmm. be but does that make this album like essential yes you know what i mean sonically does it though yeah the first doesn't always mean that it's it's required i agree with you so, i agree with you so maybe you know we t- we go down the the road just a little bit, or as we know, this book doesn't actually go in chronological order. But they are definitely the predecessor of all these other bands that are going to come from mm-hmm. Iron Butterfly to Steppenwolf to Black Sabbath to all those MC5. things. MC Five, MC Five, yeah. But you know, listening to this album as a whole, I'm kind of like, ah. I mean, this is it sounds like some young dudes, you know, doing a cool thing, doing this interesting, you know really heavy shit but aren't quite isn't quite the best album you know but i why not just start with something else or you know they're an influence and an inspiration and i like the style but i don't know if the album like does it for me i agree um i think it's in here because summertime blues hit the charts and it just so happens to uh like have a the ear marker of like shit to come um summertime them them getting a surprise single from this album which i doubt they expected right and if it hadn't happened no one would be talking right. about this fucking right the fact that summertime yeah. blues hit the charts the fact that people went out to heard that song on the radio and went out to the stores and bought this record and then turned up their own guitars and sludged them out i that's why we're talking about it right now like if, if this album had not been had not had a commercially successful single i don't think that we'd be talking about it today yeah, I mean, it's just interesting because I see both sides of the argument. You're right. Like, on its own, is this amazing musicianship? No. On its own, is it something where you can't stop listening to a particular song other than maybe Summertime Blues? No, not really. But there's so many little pieces of things that lead to other things that are good and that we like. So what do you think of an, a song like Out of Focus, like we're listening to now? I, mean, I like riffs, and it's got riffs. Okay, is that, uh, I, I guess I'm just trying to get to the bottom of, because we've been talking about these kind of, quote, blues well, albums. I think it sounds like Lazy Blues. And you guys have personally. been very ne- sort of negative on, you know, different people. And I understand they're different strokes, and these guys represent a heavier sound, but then they also do represent a very, you know, uh, what I would consider just a amplified They're MK version. Blues Ultra. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So the the sort of like slow riff based mm-hmm. heaviness. Okay. My like, I I don't by any means dislike the blues. I yeah. in it, it's it, it it's such a vast genre. There's so many subgenres in it. Only one that recognizes the babysitting blues, and we haven't gotten there yet. So <laughs> well, that's not till 1989. What, what I'm not <laughs> so. that into is just like the. The really, like, 
I want to say Chicago blues, but there's even some Chicago blues that I like. Like, there's some B.B. King stuff that I like. But it's mostly like, you know, we say like, uh, you know, the stuff that the, 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 the launched a thousand shit ships. I think that the Chicago blues, though, themselves, the Chicago blues themselves are not bad. I think that the Chicago blues launched more shitty bands than any other genre subgenre of music it's so strange that the entirety of like the chicago blues scene all uh, blues like scene all immigrated up from alabama and then they mm-hmm. somehow became a like as a, like it's all just fucking blues but somehow chicago made it burn in or it, it's a it's well it's a geographical thing as much as anything you know like people in alabama people in mississippi you know, getting on Highway 41 and getting out of these towns where their families had been for decades. Once, once there's more mobility, once there's, there's trains, there's cars. As soon as there's a way out of this farm, like these, old, like these, turn of the century musicians are getting out of Dodge as quick as they can. And Chicago was a very popular place for so many of these blues musicians to settle. And just like the like the, the the roots of like the deep south with like the Chicago city life, it formed this hybrid sound, and that actual sound, I don't necessarily dislike. It's all of the bands that were inspired by that sound that dilute that sound that Eric Claptonized that sound that that I that that's. When I like, whenever I'm like bitching about the blues, that's what I'm bitching about. You know, it's like the disciples of that specific sound. I don't know where I was going with this at all. I'm just glad we got to the, talk about the blues. The, the reason, <laughs> the reason that you don't consider Blue Cheer to be of the shop. Oh, I don't Chicago. think. I don't think that they sound like that. I don't think they sound like that Chicago blues. I don't think they sound like any kind of traditional blues. I, they're definitely it's a, definitely a bastardized. They're taking the song structure, and they're and and they're you know they're they're just doing their own crunching riffs in the garage with the song structure of of a of a traditional blues song. Okay. So they have a sort of more attitude is what they're getting away with. They're they have l- louder amps. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit sloppier playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the riffs are a little more experimental with some feedback. His vocals are shouting rather than trying to sing. Yep. And they're kind of experimenting with a, a little bit more psychedelic mm-hmm. w- mixed in there. Okay. They definitely, they've got like a blues structure. Like they start, they, their starting point, their jump off point is a blues structure. And from that, even, like, I know they, they call themselves an ultra blues band, but it seems like, Aside from the, the structure of the song, and some of these songs are straight-up covers, and you have to acknowledge that if it's a cover of a blues song, it's going to be a cover of a blues song. But the similarities between what they're doing in, like, the blues, you know, it seemed more of like a... like a It's a Hendrix blues. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
Alright, I got a question for you guys. Uh, I was gonna ask what's the loudest band you've seen, but it's kind of weird because, you know, you could... We could all say, you know, one of those big concerts if you're standing cl so close to the stage. So in instead, I'm going to say, what's a band that you've seen that you've been very surprised how loud they've been? Just uh, this past year, I saw, I, I got the opportunity to see one of the bands I really liked from high school, Hum, uh, came to town. Once I got to, when I got to the venue and I saw the, the just like the the wall of orange amplifiers... Like I was like, oh yeah, I remember now that this band is loud. I just I wasn't even thinking because like I'd listened to them when I was in high school when I was sixteen, and then I hadn't really thought about them that much in like fifteen twenty years. Then here they come to town. I'm like, oh yeah, I'll go check out this band I left when I was in high school. And I walk into the room and see all the amps. And I was like, oh yeah, that's why I liked them. Oh yeah, oh no. And then they started playing and yeah, like it it was deafening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dinosaur Jr. for me. Oh yeah. They have a f uh, he has a full stack on each side of the stage, and he is not afraid to turn it up as loud as it goes. That's he, awesome. He in, in listening to the albums, you can kind of see. Oh yeah, that's that's really loud. But seeing it in person, it's it's another thing because they're just a, another trio, you know. Mm -hmm. And he 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 wails on that. I don't know if I'm ashamed to say or not, uh, but I got in f to free to see uh, Skrillex at uh, <laughs> the Bluebird, and it was crazy loud, and the like wub wubs that happened in that like uh, dubstep dubstep stuff, it was sucking the air out of my lungs. It was so loud. They brought in all their own equipment. That's what I was gonna ask. Yes, I've never seen an EDM show. They took out. All the the stage equipment from the venue and brought in all their own stuff and it was crazy loud. I actually had wondered that I didn't know because I didn't know if they would use the house PA or if like no, no they brought they've got brought all, all their, their sound stuff. system. Yeah, yeah, and they okay props. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> because if you're gonna have, I mean, if you're just gonna have a guy doing stuff on a computer, it better be something. And I was very impressed about. The, the sonically just how you know in your face it was especially for such a small venue it's not i what's the cap on that 500 well, no it's 750 oh, is but, it? okay but in but that's because that's how many people they can fit in the door but it's all those different rooms right right it, the, they will sell tickets until 750 people have bought tickets and when it's a sold out show about 500 people can see it yeah also, Jucifer is just way too loud. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot about Jucifer. Yeah. yeah. They just have a wall of amps and they're yeah. a two-piece. And Why even have a drummer? Six Finger Satellite was one of the first like shows I saw like where it's like, what? And it turned out like their sound guy at that point in time was known as Death From Above. And that's why Death From Above 1979 Nine. came about because they couldn't use the term Death From Above because of Six Finger Satellite's sound man. Who also turned Wait, out... Wait, he trademarked his nickname? He, well, he turned out to be the <laughs> fucking dude that, like, started LCD Sound System. Like, oh. Wait, that that guy? Weird. Yeah. There, there's a real weird connection with weird. that shit. Um, but aside from that, uh, the, one of the most surprising ones, like, uh, I was 16, everything was like, oh my god, what? Um, Nick Cave. When I saw him, like, they, he opened up with Jubilee Street, and I was like, alright, this is cool. And then all of a sudden, it's like, 
This sounds like 300 jet engines going off at the exact same time. <laughs> Holy shit. I didn't think things could get this loud inside a place of this size. Yeah, yeah. He, he fucking... Uh, that, that was one of the... like, But that was dyna- that was a dynamic shift, an intentional one. Yeah, like, yeah. Not, like, Lightning Bolt, that's a fucking loud band. Yeah, yeah, um, and that's what I'm saying is... Yeah, we could talk all day about yeah bands that are just plain loud, but I don't know. I just wanted to ask a... Now, Nick Cave almost deafened me at the end of Jubilee Street. (laughs) I had no idea. Like, I thought I was going to go into, like, this spot where there'd be, you know, moms, like, clapping on the fucking (laughs) things, and then all of a sudden, like, oh, you're opening with a closer. This is insane. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And this sounds like Mission Impossible in our headphones. Uh, Second time around, near the end of it, after the random drum solo. Yeah, I actually did, like, a second time around. I thought it was a good exploration of what they're trying to accomplish as a band. Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend this to anybody. Um, I, I I was going to say a, new, a neutral on it because I feel swayed from... I, I like the heavy shit. I like the, you know, we're going to get into that stuff later and I'll be all about it. But this it just kind of represents the, the tipping, uh, jumping off point and I don't... I'm not gonna put this on a lot, you know. I'm no, I'll never put it on again. Every every other band, like when we get to Black Sabbath 1970, I'm gonna I put that album on regularly. But this is just represents something that it's it's very I don't want to say mediocre or juvenile, but it's just not a little amateurish. It's nice to hear something from San Francisco sounding like this at at, at this stage of the game. Like Mm -hmm. MC5 is going to be coming screaming out of Detroit real soon. Um, But yeah, like coming out of the fucking like psych scene, like uh, again, I I absolutely do blame him. Like they're like, holy shit, this record. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm I'm glad that to hear that they went from a five to a three piece, (laughs) like right around that time. Um, yeah, hey, that I, was an awesome Hendrix show. Speaking of, hey, second guitar player and keyboard player. Uh. So no, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it. Like you know, Summertime Blues is a cool, like, little hit that happened, but the n- n- none of the other songs even come close to yeah. touching like a. Hey, I want to listen to this consistently. There are some sweet parts in it, but for the most part, it, it's disjointed. It's not really recorded well, but the the tones they get out of the uh, instruments are pretty pretty incredible. I agree with you guys. Uh, I think I think sonically, this album's crucial. Uh, would we have gotten he- Would we have gotten where we were anyway without this album? Probably. Some like if if Blue Cheer didn't do it, someone else was going to do it. Like. Uh, like the 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 I feel like the Who and Jimmy were the already... Who and Jimmy had already kind of ignited whatever fuse there could mm-hmm. have been, but someone had to do it. Here's Blue Cheer, they're doing it, and for that I give them props, props, fucking props. Like let's especially especially hot on the heels of the summer of '67. Let's just fucking get heavy, y'all. Uh, that being said, as an album. Like if I look at it like objectively as an album songwriting style, it's mostly covers, and the songs that aren't covers aren't blowing my mind. Uh, every, every like all of almost all of my props that I have to give this album is how it sounds as opposed to what's actually going on musically. So I think I'm I'm, I'm going to give it a neutral. I think. 
But this album, so it, it shreds, man. It like turn it up, crack a beer. Yeah, yeah. I was so glad to hear something heavy and sludgy that you know I may have gone into it a little overexcited, <laughs> uh, but I still can't. I'm not gonna give it just a straight neutral. I'd have to give it like a neutral plus. Um, but you know, I agree with all of you. If I ever were going to play anybody, anything off this album, it would probably be summertime blues, which is the hit and kind of lays out the format, but I would not listen to the entire album ever. I mean, it's just, it's just nothing I wouldn't return to, but, but I, I I liked it. I mean, I'm I'm not going to say I didn't like it. I liked it. I'm glad it exists. Oh yeah. Just, I, 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 I wouldn't say anyone needs to listen to this before they die. There are, there are plenty yeah. of bands that came afterwards that expanded on and made this a style that's cool. Um, you know, so whatever. Yeah. Yep. Props for props for doing it first. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. they get so many points for style and aggression. You know, kind of having that aggression. Mm-hmm. So next time we'll be talking about the birds, notorious bird brothers. All right. Thanks, y'all. Mm-hmm. Cool.